Hello, I'm Michael Brodeur, and welcome to Leaders Alliance. We are a global community of kingdom-minded leaders who are passionate about helping you become the world-changing leader that God created you to be. Join the conversation. Well, welcome back, everybody. I'm so excited to be with you again for another episode of the Leaders Alliance podcast. And today we have a special guest, Santa Warren, who's going to be talking to us about missions, about emerging generation, and what God is doing right now in the earth as it relates to pouring out his spirit in nations and people groups, and particularly using young people to do so. But as we get started, let me just share a little bit about Leaders Alliance. We are a new movement of kingdom-minded leaders from the marketplace and from the church world who are coming together to try to create a fusion of impact in the body of Christ that will actually bring the kingdom of God to the earth in a more tangible and impactful way. And so we're super excited about this. We're, we're gathering pastoral leaders from different nations, different uh, denominations actually to come together and begin to collaborate around that kingdom vision, but understanding that the church, the local church on the corner can't do this thing alone. We need other ministers, other leaders who many of them are based in the local church, but they are actually doing their primary impact and influence out there in the world somewhere as business people or as educators or as medical people or as civil servants. How do we actually create a synergy between those two worlds so that the local church is not isolated from the world, but rather is feeding the world with leaders and, and empowered people who can actually make a difference in the world out there. This is what we're longing for, and it's all unto the Great Commission, all unto the glory of Jesus, that the Lamb that was slain would receive the reward of his sufferings. And so as we get started today, um, I, I just want you to know one of our greatest passions is for emerging leaders. You know, we believe that uh, right now, actually the statistics show that in the last 10 years, the average age of a local church pastor has grown from 44 to 54. In other words, if you look at the average age, it has not been replenishing or growing younger or staying even the same. In other words, we are losing the battle to uh, uh, initiate and empower young leaders to take pastoral roles. And then in addition to that, there's been other movements that are, that are actually populated by young leaders, but we want to really increase that. We want to see the body of Christ reach young and empower young leaders for the glory of God. And so this is really something that is on our heart. One of our catalyst groups that we'll be forming in the fall is, is focused on emerging leadership this is going to be awesome. So today we have a special guest. We have a young leader who I have actually grown to really be fond of. Um, we've connected a few times and she is just an amazing young leader who actually is overseeing global missions and what's called world changers for Catch the Fire World, for Catch the Fire Ministries. And so she has um, just had a, about 10 years in missions herself, a little bit more actually, I think 12, 13 years. And she is one of the most on fire young leaders that I know. And so we're going to be exploring some of these topics. We're going to begin with her story. We're going to talk about some of her training and her journey as a missionary. And then we're going to spend the majority of our time talking about young leaders and how we can reach them and how we can empower them and how we can train them and how we can send them to be the world changers that God's called them to be. So Santa, why don't you come on and be with us? Excellent. Hi. Hi. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. It's good to see you. And uh, I would just love to hear a bit of your story as we get started. And then I'll just ask you some questions about how you got here, what you're doing, and uh, and how you see it progressing into the future. Yeah, so of course. Far. Well, I am from a little British island called Jersey. Um, I grew up in an amazing Christian family. My parents are actually pastors of two different churches here in Jersey. So grew up very blessed with amazing role models um, and really grew up knowing God and learning to hear his voice. Um, but in my, in my walk with the Lord, I had a real significant time at age 15. Um, and often when people ask me why missions and why I'm in missions, um, I tell them it's because of a bucket of cabbage, which 
normally raises a bit of question. Um, but when I was 15 years old, I went on a missions trip to Kenya. And so thankful for my parents taking me on this trip because I was completely undone with love and compassion for every person that I got to encounter and every person that was in front of me. I was a mess for an entire week, just permanently in tears. Um, we saw many healings, we saw many miracles, but there was one particular day that was just a marking moment for me in my life. Um, and it was, we were doing a feeding program in a really poor and remote area. This was the only hot meal a lot of the children would receive for a whole week. So very, very poor. Um, and we expected about 100 children, but 200 children turned up. And I had this bucket of cabbage in front of me. And I looked at the bucket of cabbage and I was like, we don't have enough food. And I had this long line of kids like all holding their plates, like eagerly waiting for this meal. Um, so we gathered the team and we were like, Jesus, you fed 5,000. We're only asking for 200. We command this bucket of cabbage to multiply in the name of Jesus. And then I was just so full of faith. I decided in my heart, I was like, I'm not gonna serve small portions. I am gonna serve generous portions. So I started serving out these heaped piles of cabbage to every child. And no matter how much cabbage I was serving, the level of the cabbage never went down. Wow. My eyes were getting <laughs> wider and wider in amazement. And every child got fed. Every child got seconds. We were even able to feed the village elders. And then the bucket was empty. Wow. I was just, <laughs> yeah, completely undone. I was so in awe of the Lord. And in that moment, I like committed in my heart. I was like, that's it. I will forever be in missions and ministry. Like, here am I, Lord. Send me. I want to serve you. Wow. And the Lord was even so kind, even in that same year, I received a wild prophetic word that just confirmed everything that I was feeling about my call to missions. So a great start. That's <laughs> um, so awesome. <laughs> mm -hmm. Wow. So that, that got you hooked because you saw God yes. actually be real <laughs> in the lives of many people that you were serving. That's amazing. And so how did yeah. you progress from there? So um, I went to Kenya with a charity called the Kenyan Children's Project. So when I was 18, I moved over to London to volunteer for the Kenyan Children's Project and intern for Catch the Fire London, where I spent five years with them. Um, <laughs> I'd gone for a gap year planning on going to university, but the Lord just made it clear that I was meant to pursue this and really give those years to him and serve and grow, um, which I definitely did. In those five years, I ended up serving and being on team at 50 conferences around the UK. Um, I led seven missions trips to Kenya. I led a team to Mozambique, the Philippines, Mexico. Um, so it was, just such a rich and fruitful five years where I really got to learn what it looks like to get low and to serve. And I also got to step into my giftings in the same time. Um, I often say that if you're not willing to hold a toilet brush, you shouldn't hold a microphone, you know, like, because we <laughs> need to get low and serve. And that's the point when the Lord then pushes you into what you're going to be doing. So it was a really a really fruitful five years in my journey and walk with the Lord, just getting to serve and minister for <laughs> all around the country. That's so amazing. And then after that, you went for some more training. So tell us about that. Yes. So I I have such a heart and a passion for missions and, and for the word of God. And I was like, I'm so hungry to learn and grow more. And I wanted just to be equipped, ready to be able to be more effective around the world. Like I never want to stop learning. Um, so through a wild series of events that the Lord confirmed in many ways with prophetic things popping up all over the place, I ended up going to um, YWAM, so Youth with a Mission, and I went to the Kona base, um, 
where I did the six month discipleship training school where three months was in Kona and then I got to live in Brazil for three months. And that just took my whole like stepping out in boldness to a whole new level where we got to like minister in universities. We were in Sao Paulo where we were in yeah, universities and partnering with different churches and doing street evangelism. We then were in the Amazon region in the middle of nowhere where we got to like wow. preach in a rural village. Um, and then we spent a lot of time um, in the favelas in Rio, like really ministering to the armed like drug dealers and gang leaders and getting just to show them Jesus. And and that's when I really had to step into like boldness um, and new levels of faith ministering to them. But we saw so many salvations. So it was so wild just seeing the Lord move um, yeah, in and through our team. Amazing. Um, well, hold on for one second, because you know we have I you know I have a strong connection with Brazil as well. In fact, uh, one of yeah. our main advisors is a man named Teofilo Hayashi, who oversees Dunamis and yes. is the pastor of Zion Church, and I'm on their church board as well. And so you got to even work with them at Dunamis Farm mm -hmm. and do a few things like that. So, what were some of the highlights of of that season? Well, it was. The Brazilians are fiery. I like, know, I think amazing. that was just like, I took like their passion and hunger home with me. I was like, I want to be know. more like them. Um, and I loved getting to actually go to Dunamis Farm. Um, and it was like fairly in the early stages of what they were doing there, but just seeing their vision and their passion and just the hunger for the Lord and how fiery they were was really inspiring to me. I was like, I want to be like, they are worshipers and they are prayer warriors. And I just, I loved it. Like it challenges us to like step into new levels of prayer and faith and worship um, and that freedom in it as well. So wow. loved getting to be among the Brazilians. Well, also, you know, just being with YWAM as well, you know, my wife, Diane, who's not with us today because she's taking care of grandchildren. Um, my, my daughter and her husband are on a leaders retreat for their church. So Diane's out of, the, out of, out of town. But um, anyway, she was actually trained in YWAM. And so I owe wow. a debt of gratitude. She, I think she went through her first DTS in 1975 and uh, and then went through an SOE in 77. And, and so she was, she was very much, and she was also part of what was called Dilaram Ministries, which was started by Floyd McClung as a branch of, of uh, YWAM originally. And so we've had an ongoing relationship connection throughout the ages with uh, all uh, different YWAM leaders. So we're so grateful. But then you went back for more training. So tell us about the next <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Um, yes, well, the hunger to learn more didn't end there. Um, I then went back and was actually in the pioneering year of going to the school, a secondary school called Foundations for Revival and Reformation, um, where you spend three months going deep into the scriptures. Then you spend three months looking at God's world. So you look at like the seven spheres of society and then three months looking at different ways of communication. So Basically, the summary of the school is like, how can we take God's word to God's world um, yeah. through the communication of it? And it was such a rich nine months. Like, I feel like I like fell in love with the Lord and the world, like all the word of God all over again. Um, yeah. It was just so great and really, um, it really like gave us the tools and maybe feel more equipped to actually be effective and be impactful in the world. Mm -hmm. um, and then I actually went from there to do this school called Apostello, which um, equips you and prepares you to move to a nation long-term. So you cover like culture, culture shock and different cultural differences, how to be good in the team. They also kind of say like, you know, maybe write a will for if you don't make it <laughs> back. So like, it really was like a, here am I, send me to the mission field, like I will go and do what you want me to do. Um, and actually following that school, I moved to Nepal, um, which three years previously, when the Lord said about going to YWAM, I was watching this video of a group of um, YWAMers, like led by Andy Bird, and they were trekking the Himalayas reaching unreached people groups and distributing Bibles. And I was weeping and I heard the Lord say, this is where you will go. So then three years later, I find myself 
in Nepal where I then get, I had the honor of trekking the Himalayas to reach unreached people groups, distribute Bibles and tell them about Jesus for the very first time. It was such a hard trip when you're like everything in you, your body is exhausted, heavy backpack, your feet are shredded. But every step, I remember thinking to myself, like, this is for the gospel. This is so someone can hear about Jesus for the first time. And it, I would do it again in a heartbeat. Like I treasure that trip because it gave me even more of a drive to reach people with the word of God and get Bibles in people's hands. So that was a really transformational um, time and season. And I'd intended to be there longer, but March 2020 rolled round, and in 24 hours notice, we got evacuated from Nepal wow. for safety reasons. Um, heartbroken, but I, I knew that the Lord had brought me there for a reason and it was truly impactful in my, in my whole journey. Wow. I love that. I love what you're saying about the two secondary schools you went to. Just mm -hmm. even the, uh, one of the teams that we have is called a Catalyst Group is focused on thought leadership. And that's really yeah. what we're trying to do is to pioneer sort of the intersection of, of good theology and cultural, yeah. uh, cult, well, cultural reality. And how do those two, uh, you know, correspond to each other and how can we translate the gospel into language that is relevant to culture without compromise. Yeah. And that's mm -hmm. really, it sounds like so much of what your school was about. I'd love to have nine months of that, you know? So, yes. <laughs> I literally, I came from it and I was like, everybody needs to go and do this school. I recommended it to everyone. It's, it, yeah, it was a fantastic school. And then you got to practice the second school in, in the Himalaya mountains, which I've been yeah. to and visited and never done yeah. a trek, but, but I definitely have worked among some of the people there. And, uh, but then everything got shut down because of COVID. So how did you respond to that? You you went yes. back home and and what happened? Well, I didn't even know at that point if I would get back home because all the airports and everything was closing. So I'd had a conversation with my family as COVID hit and was like, just so you know, I'm going to stay in Nepal. Like, this is home. And like, my parents were like, yep, we knew that. We understand. And they were like, you wouldn't get here anyway. All the airports are shutting down. So it's like, okay, lovely, bye. And then <laughs> the next morning, get called into an emergency meeting. Like, everybody needs to evacuate. Book a flight. And airports were literally shutting behind me. Um, uh -huh. I flew through Doha Air airport 15 minutes after I took off it shut down so made it back was like what is my purpose in life what am I even doing I've just been evacuated from the mission field I'm now stuck back home um, and I think like most of us we thought COVID may last two months um, <laughs> but a year and a half later when I was I really dedicated that time to the Lord um, and wanted to use it wisely so mm served where I could, got stuck in with the local church, serving in youth, getting into the Bible. And then last summer, um, out of the blue, I get contacted by Duncan and Kate Smith and they reached out and asked if I would lead Catch the Fire's missions. Um, and I was like, honored. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow. Cause I've been <laughs> praying and praying. I was like, God, what, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing next? Um, and then, yeah, they reached out. So that led me to now being the global director for Catch the Fire's missions and world changes. Um, so yeah, now I'm in the role that I'm in and I feel so honored that I get to be part of this organization again. Amazing. Well, why don't you, um, I think most of our listeners know some of the history that were built upon in Catch the Fire. Uh, you yeah. may not know that Leaders Alliance is a branch of Catch the Fire Ministries, but we're really designed to be a bridge between Catch the Fire core, the partners is what it's called, and uh, about 150 churches that are in the center of Catch the Fire and ministries <laughs> and missions. And then we are a bridge out to the greater body of Christ. So my history, I've been in numerous movements. I've had connection with different body leaders all around the world. And so in that process, um, they asked if I would actually be this, this, the director of this connection point. Mm -hmm. On the one hand, we're connected deeply into Catch the Fire. On the other hand, we're involved with different leaders, different denominations, different movements to really see the body of Christ come together because, and you may not know this as a listener, but um, 
when when Catch the Fire started, it started as an outpouring of the Holy Spirit 28 years ago in Toronto. You might have heard of the Toronto Blessing, but when God began to move there, it was just phenomenal. Over the next 12 years, almost 4 million people visited Toronto to get touched by the Lord with this unique outpouring of the Holy Spirit that was going on. And out of that, a whole movement was given birth and uh, many churches were planted. And then uh, subsequent to that, a number of secondary movements got planted, including Iris Ministries that now has like 8,000 churches. Bethel Movement sort of received its initial empowering out of that. Same with uh, Partners in Harvest and Cheon. They've, they got a, a major dose, Leif Hetland, other major leaders, Randy Clark's ministry there, Georgian Banoff. I mean, all these uh, secondary ministries sprung out of this amazing time. Okay, so just to give them a little bit of background, but also some amazing missions came out. So talk about some of the history of missions within the Catch a Fire movement and, and where do you see it going as we move forward? Yeah, so as part of um, the Toronto Blessing, World Changes was birthed from it. So Catch the Fire World Changes is our missions partnership program, um, which is devoted to spreading God's transforming presence worldwide. Um, and because the reality is too many people haven't heard the gospel message. They haven't had their hearts filled with that hope of Jesus and encountered the Holy Spirit. So this is why we must go and this is why we exist. So our world changes are the heart behind us being the hands and the feet. So they're amazing partners that so into the missions globally, get to be part of the testimonies that happen, but also we invite our world changes to come with us like I know how impacted I was by going on a missions trip when I was 15 and like I really have a heart for people to come and get on the mission field with us um, so that's kind of the idea of world changes because our catch the fire mission is to see the whole world encounter God's transforming presence and for the gospel to reach every corner um, and my heart isn't to do this independently like I don't want it just to be us as well changes, trying to do our own thing. But I want to work together as the body of Christ, bring in everyone in like, you know, we've got our Leaders Alliance family, we've got all our Catch the Fire churches worldwide, but also partnering with other charities and ministries and missions, mission organizations, so that we can accomplish together, this together, because you know, our heart is to see the reached, the unreached reached and for God's word to be heard and to raise up the disciples and make Jesus known um, and really activate the church to get into missions. That's so good. Well, let me, let me uh, ask a few more questions about how that partnership works, because, mm -hmm. you know, probably many of the Catch the Fire churches have their own missions program. Um, you know, where they might support missionaries in Kenya or missionaries in, in yeah. uh, Southeast Asia or something. Okay, so do you interface with those programs as well? Or are you mostly working with just non-missionary church members to get them mobilized or both? Yeah, a bit of both. So my, my heart is to get people within our um, World Changer Partnership crew and our Catch the Fire Church family and kind of anyone to come on board, come onto the mission field with us and get involved with what we're doing and what the Lord is doing. Um, but then also just awaken this missions movement and getting people activated in it. So we've, we're starting our Catch the Fire TV and I would love even on there to give like practical tips and like how we can be a mission, like a world changer in people's hometowns. So it's, it's a bit of both of partnering with other charities and organizations so that we can, so for example, we're doing a trip to Malawi in November where we're partnering with this charity called What's of Love. So they provide solar lights to help break the poverty cycle. So we're partnering with them to do a trip so that we can, you know, a bit of both, like work together hand in hand to see the Lord move in that area. And then even like we're partnering with like a Bible distribution organization. So I can be like, oh, we're going to this nation. And they're like, oh, we've got by, you know, so we're, I'm trying to bring people together so that we can yeah. work together as the body of Christ to really get this great commission activated. Absolutely. You know? And so if I was, let's say a member of a uh, an average catch the fire church, let's say in Boulder, Colorado, and mm -hmm. I wanted to um, become a member of World Changers. How would I do that? 
So we have our website, catchthefire.com, and then forward slash missions is our missions part of Catch the Fire. And then within that, there's World Changes, and you can sign up to it. So yeah. practically what it looks like is giving a monthly or yearly donation towards our mission stuff happening so that we've got the funds to do more um, around the world. But then within that, we then invite them to, so we'll do like Zoom gatherings so we can share testimonies and like create a world changer family um but then also invite them to come on humanitarian aid trips with us or invite them to be ministry team as we do our international leader schools of ministry um so yeah it's practically they get to sew in to the missions of catch the fire and be part of it themselves as well and bring families like bring people with them wow and you just helped lead a group just two weeks ago or last week or something right tell us about yes. that yes yeah, so last week um, I returned from a missions trip to India where we ran a five-day leader school of ministry where we got to equip and raise up and pour into 50 students, um, most from India, but some even traveled from surrounding nations, which is amazing. Um, and it was such a fruitful week where we got to really equip them with, you know, the the forgiveness message and hearing God's voice and like practical tips for them and their journey um and they just look so different by the end like you could just see the joy and you could see the freedom and we also had the honor of getting to plant a catch the fire church where the first Sunday that we gathered over a hundred people attended wow, so it was so such a fantastic trip full of healings and breakthrough and giving people the tools to be able to change the world around them. That's amazing. And, and uh, tell us a little bit about the team members, like just the average person that came with you. Um, because again, I know that probably some people are listening and saying, wow, I'd love to be a part of something like that. Um, yeah. I, could, I could take two weeks and do something like that. Um, but do I qualify? How would you how would you address that? You know, give us a picture of some of the I, yeah. I know a couple of the people that were on your team. So share about them. Well, in terms of age wise, we went from I think the youngest was 25 and the oldest was 85. <laughs> so wow. in terms of age anyone can come like i i did a trip at 15 my sister was 12 when we went like and god used us so really anybody can go i think all it requires is just a yes to the lord and he can use you in whatever way like everyone of the team had such a unique story and background that actually was able to minister to people in front of them even one of the sessions that we do is we look at the father heart and actually sometimes the our actual earthly experiences of father can influence how we see heavenly father um and each team member literally we had a we had a list of like um abusive or um like rejected or like there was a list of different types of fathers and i went to the team i was like oh just wondering like what was your dad like who kind of fits where and it was like we literally had one of each <laughs> so it was like didn't matter what people's background was or what their story was the lord used them to be able to minister and reach someone that was in that school so it was really powerful mm. just the yes to the lord um and actually like age age doesn't matter <laughs> Age wow. doesn't matter at all. I think it's just the importance of the yes. Wow, that's so good. And I mean, one of the things that we're hoping for is a greater and greater partnership between Leaders Alliance and the missions and world changer uh, yes. part of Catch the Fire. You know, we really want to be able to uh, profile you guys to be able to reach into our constituents and kind of invite them on, on trips. And then also from the mm -hmm. other hand, us uh, being able to, you know, really receive more of your input as well. And so I think that's something that's happening. Let's pause for a moment because I want to just mention uh, we are Leaders Alliance is one of our primary goals because we have three primary goals. The first is to really strengthen the leadership ability of every believer that we can connect with. We believe that the body of Christ is intended to be the primary influence in this world, that Jesus said we would be salt and light. And, uh, but unfortunately, the church over the last 50 years has lost much of our influence in almost every nation I can think of. Okay. And so what's happened, and I believe that's because we've lost our sense of identity. Who are we? 
The Bible says we're priests and kings. The Bible says, don't you know you're going to judge angels? The Bible says we're ambassadors for Christ. We're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. But most Christians don't know those truths of their true identity in Christ. And so part of our mission is to help reinforce that and reinstitute a sense of kingdom confidence within the people that we're training because we're giving them tools. Okay, and one of those tools we're just releasing is what we call Kingdom Leadership Foundations. And this is an amazing tool that will help you to become the leader that God's called you to be. And so we begin with your individual leadership. Who are you in Christ? Who are you as one who is led by Christ, led by the Holy Spirit? And how can you begin to lead your world, your personal life, your lifestyle? How can you lead your family? How can you lead in a, in a marketplace setting? How can you lead in a church setting? How to understand the basic dynamics of leadership so that you can actually step into the full calling of Jesus in your life. And so this is really what this tool is all about. But the secondary that will be released in several months is actually on organizational leadership. And we'll talk about how to lead organizations in a way that brings about the greatest fruitfulness, the greatest dynamic synergy and teamship among the members, and how we can actually produce the results God intends for every organization in the earth. And so, but this first, this first foundations course, I want you to check it out. So you can go to our website. You can actually look at the training. You can uh, browse some of the content that we're going to be going through. It's, it's fairly inexpensive, but it's something that will help you in your personal growth to become the leader that God has called you to be. And so we want to encourage you to check it out and you're going to enjoy it. But let's get back to Santa. We want to talk a little bit now about the issue of emerging leadership. Because one of the things that is a great concern to me, I'm a 65-year-old man. I've been in Christian leadership for 45 years. And, uh, you know, I was a young leader that, you know, part of a church plant into San Francisco when I was 20 years old. And uh, over the years, though, I've been part of that aging generation. You know, the people that were saved in the baby boomers. And now we're moving through. And there's been some secondary generation, you know, the the uh, Gen X rose up and there's been some great leadership produced there. And the millennials have also produced some great leaders. And we're seeing those in not so much in the church as much as we're seeing around the missions movement and around some of the prayer movements and so forth. Um, and now we're confronted with the Generation Z or Gen Z, which I believe is also unique. I mean, every generation mm -hmm. God is at work in, but every generation has unique challenges and issues. But our passion is to raise up the emerging generation into full, fruitful ministry in Christ. How do you see it? What, what do you see as, as your vision for young leaders at this time? Well, I would love them to know their place in the body of Christ and to actually be called and equipped and raised up in that. Um, I know that I have so much to learn from my seniors, but I also have so much to learn from those that I get to lead or those that are younger than me. Um, but I think it's actually just making them aware that they are a significant like part of the body of Christ um, and we we need them um, we need what they have we need what they carry we need even like you know how much can we learn from like childlike faith um, especially when we become I don't know older and think it through too much you know analytical yeah, exactly. um, but I just yeah I just think that there needs to be a, a wave of like awakening the potential of the next generation and calling out the gold and calling out the gifts in them so that they can become what God has called them to be. Um, and I think sometimes there's not always room for them to do that or they don't feel like they can or there's the, the lack of like value that they feel that they have to bring but actually being like no we desperately need you we've got stuff that we can learn from you as much as you can learn from us um and just awaken who they are and what they're meant to be doing in the body of christ what's your personal experience because you're obviously a young leader you're not as young as you look <laughs> but but you are a young leader and i'm sure you've had both the the good the bad and the ugly of being raised up how has that felt for you yeah, well, I know that in in my journey of getting into leadership and getting into ministry, like I've 
I've had the people who have championed me and called me higher and given me the opportunities so that I can step into what God has called me to do. But then I know that I've also had others who have really looked down on me for my age. And yeah, like you say, people think I'm younger than I am. But either way, like I've been so put down and made to feel like, oh, like I can't do this until like 30 years time. Um, And I know that even like some prophetic words I received when I was younger, it was like, oh, well, I need to wait like years to be able to do this. And actually, yes, there's a time and a place for certain prophetic words. But actually, no, I think I think we need to help younger people recognize that God can use you now um, and he wants to use you now. And like, I, I know that even in my journey, I used to be painfully shy, like painfully shy. I couldn't imagine ever doing something like being on a podcast or like, even when we were just in India, I preached seven times, like younger <laughs> me would just think that was mad. Um, I was like shy to the point that I was almost rude because I was so quiet. But the thing is people saw the gold in me, saw the passion, saw the gift things and pulled that out of me to raise me up to who I'm growing to be um and I think that sometimes we we don't give people the younger people the opportunity to step up um and I think that I think that sometimes especially in the church or in like society we see it as like a hierarchy thing it's like oh well they're younger so clearly then they're not as good and I know that that's something that I've really had to like wrestle with even when we were just in India um one of the places in the churches that I was going to be preaching at I get there and I get introduced to the pastor as the speaker he literally looks me up and down and goes no we need a man to do this and it's like oh I really had to deal with the feeling of being unwanted or not good enough but I know that I've, I've had that with my age as well um and I think it's like we need to not let that happen like in the body of Christ, there is no hierarchy or superiority or someone who's better or worse or like stronger or weaker or more or less important. Like everyone has a place and everyone has a great value and importance, especially the young people. And if we think anything else otherwise, that is where the disunity and the division creeps in. So I think it's recognizing how much of an important place the young people have and what we can learn from them as well. Like there is so yeah. much, one of the team, who was speaking in the India trip, brought his 16-year-old daughter along. Mm. And she just inspired me so much with her heaven encounter stories and her hunger and her like intimacy with the Lord. And it's like, if we if we keep our, our mindset of, oh, we can only look up, not down in terms of age-wise, we've got, we're gonna miss out on things. Because right. I learned so much from her and just the faith that she had and just she was just inspiring. And That's she so was good. only 16. So wow. yeah, we need to call people out. <laughs> One of my highest values is what I would call intergenerational ministry. And it's really based in the final words in the Old Testament, where actually in Malachi chapter four, it says in the last days, I'll I'll pour out the spirit of Elijah and he'll turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, the children to their fathers. And obviously that includes mothers and daughters as well. But the Mm -hmm. idea is, you know, that that there's a, a curse that's on the earth because of the generational divisions. And that we need to understand that there needs to be an openness and a recognition of the unique attributes of each generation. Like I'm stepping into more of what you can consider kind of a sage generation. I have a value that that may not be replaced by a 40 year old, but that doesn't mean the 40 year old doesn't have unique value as well. And if we can start to appreciate those dynamics, that's why we actually developed a thing called um, DestinyFinder.com. And uh, if I don't know if you've heard of it, those of you listening, but it's an amazing online tool to help somebody discover their God-given purpose and then to create a life map to actually achieve that purpose. And so to, and, uh, and to enlist mentors and how to walk it out in a way that I think will really help every single person step into the fullness of who God's calling to be. And so this is our one of our, our tools that we've actually made available through Leaders Alliance and through uh, some of the other uh, offerings that we have. But let's let's drill down a little bit more because obviously, you know, you've studied missiology. Uh, you know, you've studied uh, in a sense apologetics through your different secondary schools at YWAM, and the whole study of missions, the whole study of people groups and culture and so forth. Um, one of the things that they've discovered in the U.S. Center for World Missions is that there is a distinction 
between, in a sense, there's two influences in culture across the world. One influence is the influence of the enemy, where in the scripture it says that in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, that the God of this age has blinded the minds of them that don't believe, lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine in unto them. So there's a sort of a demonic influence that's coming into culture at any given time, and it's specific to ward against what God has done in the previous generation. Okay, and so that's something that we know, and we see that also repeated in Second Second uh, Corinthians, ten uh, verses, you know, four through six as well, where it talks about, you know, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're pulling down strongholds. Like in other words, frames, ways of thinking that are contrary to the heart of God. But then we mm -hmm. also see through history that that the Holy Spirit is at work in culture, planting yeah. the seeds of, of of kingdom understanding, what we would call kingdom longings within the culture that we're dealing with. So, you know, if we're dealing with, let's say, the millennial culture, there's a set of factors that have kind of hindered them from receiving the gospel. But there's also some inroads. Have you thought about that much? And how, what do you see as some of the inroads? And then what do you see as some of the hindrances that, that have been sort of cultivated in culture to keep people from the truth of the gospel? Um, I think some of the hindrances in the next generation at the moment is the lack of identity, um, okay. because even just globally, there is, and I, I, I feel like I can't keep up, there's so many different things that you can identify as at the moment, and it's like, I think in that, people are losing knowing actually who they are, how they were created in God's image, and their identity is in Christ. So I think there's become almost like too much freedom in the world of who you can say that you are and what you identify as and who you what your identity is that it's pulled people away from actually the truth of you are a son or a daughter of the king of kings you are a child of christ and actually i think through some of that it's made it's just there's been a room it's too much confusion i think going on at the moment um and too much like oh i can be whatever and it's like well no this is the truth of the gospel and this is who you are so i think the lack of identity in this generation has really been something that oh, it breaks my heart to see honestly like i find it really hard seeing younger people just you can just see the confusion of like, oh, well, who, who am I? Who am I meant to be? And it's like wanting to remind them of the truth of the gospel and the truth of who they are. So I think that's become a bit of a hindrance for the, the, the current younger generation. Yeah, that's um, true. Keep going. Yeah. And then in terms of like avenues that I actually think, well, in the same way, social media can be a hindrance but i've also been seeing it being such an avenue for reaching the gospel That's especially right. at the moment TikTok is huge and like i i was leading a youth group during a lot of the covid season and i was like oh i need to be relevant so i would like see what was the latest things on TikTok, you know the latest dances or whatever and fashion or whatever so that when i was doing my youth like teachings, I could actually bring some relevance and be like, I'm trying to understand your generation. And like, I get what you guys are seeing and stuff like that. So yes, TikTok is huge, but that I've seen while on there, so many like teenagers, late teens, preaching the gospel on there, like to the point that accounts would get banned, like, and they were using social media as a platform to influence other people and actually using because obviously this generation is huge at an online presence. If it was, you know, even like 20 years ago, it wasn't as big, like social media wasn't yeah. as big of a thing. Um, but they are using the gift of social media. I know it can be a hindrance as well, but I'll say a gift of social media to reach people. And they would be like, oh, hey guys, I'm gonna do an online Bible study. And then, you know, all these young people were gathering together to study the word because wow. of social media and because of TikTok. So, I think there's, you know, the, the pros and cons of social media, but actually, like, I think the Lord is really using that as a way of reaching people yeah. and worldwide. Well, obviously, we're on a live right now, which right. means that people from anywhere can tune in and hear about the word of God. Right. So I think that um, young people are grasping it. They, I don't know whether or not they're in church, but they are sharing the gospel um, yeah. and sharing it through the avenue of social media, which is a gift. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, there are those kind of things. I mean, as I think about, obviously, the pros and cons of social media, for instance, yeah. um, which again, you know, um, I'm so, so grieved by the fact that 
that uh, like pornography is so accessible. Yeah. Uh, so many kids are getting stuck in both both men and women now are getting stuck in in porn addictions or other kinds of addictions as a result. And again, that's not to say that there aren't ways in which the Holy Spirit is using social media as well. But, yeah. but um, and and one of the things that I see in our culture, especially among emerging generation, is the infiltration of what would be called um, postmodern thinking where there's no clear rights or wrongs. It all has to do with what you believe is right or wrong for yeah. you. And how do you see that? Because it's pretty hard to preach about forgiveness of sins in a culture where people may not even perceive that they're a sinner. Yeah. Well, I've, I've even come across that in some conversations that I've had with people when I'm trying to tell them about Jesus. And yeah. yet they've been like, well, that's your opinion. And I'm like, oh, how do I get it across that it's actually the truth? Right. Um, but then I'm, I've also had conversations with some people where my passion for Jesus and my passion for the gospel has come across so much that they've been impacted by it. Yeah. But it's like they almost like because it's like, well, why? Why is this girl literally traveling the world to tell people about Jesus, like, like there must be something to it because it means that much. Um, so it is hard to get things across to people when it's like, oh, well, everyone's entitled to a complete like own opinion. Um, so I think it's like trying to find the ways of actually, and obviously Holy Spirit can move as well through it and through us speaking and sharing. Um, right. But I've like in some of the conversations I've had with people, I've been like, I know this to be true because I've seen it God move. And I literally cannot doubt that this is not God moving. And like, I think the testimonies of seeing God move and like that's I think that's also why I'm just so hungry to get people on the mission field and get people alongside like coming and being able to see and experience it out of the comfort of their own home um yeah. so that they can see it with their own eyes but also yeah. I think I think the power of testimony is strong and I think that's what I've seen in conversations that I've had because even like one girl when I was like sharing everything and started like preaching the gospel and like sharing about the gifts of the spirit and like everything I had an hour-long conversation with her but just getting more and more fired up and passionate about Jesus and what he does and the power of the cross and forgiveness that she was completely undone she ended up in tears and was like I've never heard someone share this with me with such a passion and like I've never heard someone share it like in the way that you are sharing it so I think like we we need to ourselves like fall deeper in love with Jesus so that comes out so it's like yeah. undeniable that people can't be like oh well that's your opinion it's like they see the difference in our countenance um and I think that really makes a difference for us being able to reach people because I know that when I've done it out of a place of like just desperate love for Jesus, as opposed to sharing a watered down gospel, there is a, there is a complete difference in the message being received from somebody. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. As we, as we were, um, you know, in San Francisco for 33 years, we did a lot of ministry among what would be considered the precursors or the, the previous generations that were leading to what is now the generational norm of let's say postmodern thinking or some right. of these things. And I actually wrote a book on it called uh, uh, Revival Culture, um, Prepare for the Next Great Awakening. And mm. in this book, we talk about a number of the ministries. We had ministries to the, you know, to the Burning Man crowd and to the rave community, wow. the hippie community and, and to the hardcore world of, you know, sort of the grunge and, and uh, you know, music scenes and so forth. And, and really trying to, in a sense, penetrate some of those realms and understanding what are the kingdom barriers and then what are the kingdom longings? And mm. I think one of the things you're hitting on right now is one of the kingdom longings to find somebody who's passionate because I do believe that in this, in fact, there was a statistic that came out with George Barna recently that said that even though only about 2% of Gen Z have a biblical worldview, that's two people yeah. out of 100 who claim to be, you know, not Christian, but, you know, believe in God, two out of 100 have what would be considered a biblical framework in their thinking. Okay. Yeah. But I think it was like 68% would be willing to go on a missions trip if they were called to. Mm. You know, in other words, they were really open to the idea of something worth living for, something worth dying for. And when yeah. they see that contagion in your heart, I think that bypasses some of the barriers and goes right to the heart of emerging community, of emerging mm -hmm. uh, culture, which is give me something worth living for. 
And so yeah. I think your passion translates into that in their in their in their worldview. Yeah. Well, yeah, the friend that I got to share with was like, I feel like you've just told me the greatest news ever. She's like, I feel like you've just told me I'm adopted. And I was like, well, you are. <laughs> like, Jesus. Um, she so literally good. like went home to her family like, you need to have a conversation with Sana. I've just heard the greatest news. And it's like, yes, I think, I think as Christians and in the church, we need to wake up and be like shaken from our complacency in like the the happy Christian churchgoers and actually be like no there is a world to reach and we but it needs to start with us it needs to start with us like having that that passion for Jesus that and as like a laid down lover of Jesus so that we can actually see in the world change to make a difference especially in this next generation which That's so, so desperately needs to know who they are Wow. Well, we need to wrap up in about the next, I don't know, five, 10 minutes, but yeah. I want to zero in on a couple of quick things that, you know, obviously I think one of the barriers right now is there is kind of an anti-institutionalism in emerging generation culture that also ends up affecting people's uh, attitude towards traditional church. Mm. Have you seen much of that in, in UK right now? And, and how do you address that? Yeah, I have I have noticed that and it's like especially through COVID season where everything's online now, it's like, well, I don't need to go to church. Um, and it's like, well, actually, no, you really do. Because it's the body of Christ. It's the accountability. It's the community. And it's like the point of gathering. Um, so I think it's it's a real need to draw people back into church. But also even like as I think. I think even through the last year, Christians have become complacent in going to church. And it's like, well, yeah. if Christians aren't even going to church, how are we expected to try and bring other people into church? Yeah. Um, I preached on this at our church, like after the COVID season, I was like, guys, we have to come, we have to be like really like laid down to going to church. Mm. If we're going to expect, if we can even expect to bring people in, you know, Jesus modeled the life of like the savior because he wanted to see people saved and we need to model the life of Jesus so that we can see people saved and bring people in. So yes, I have noticed that like, there does seem to be a, a lack of recognizing the importance of church. And I think that's what we need to remind people of actually, there is so much, there is so much that we can gain from gathering. And I think, you know, people, who don't go to church end up in isolation and that's right. actually where there's there's more attacks can come in you don't have that accountability you don't have that right. church family walking alongside you so it's i think it's really important that we get christians properly back into church yeah. so that we can then bring other people in as well that's um, right no, and, and one thing about that that I think is also interesting is I believe one of the ways the Holy Spirit has prepared the emerging generation is because there is, even though there is the shutdowns and the isolation that many have experienced, it's really experienced in the face of a true longing for community. And that's one thing I see among young, younger generation people that I get to hang out with is that they really want to connect with others. They really want to mm -hmm. be known and to know others. And, uh, and that's why I think this whole COVID season has been such a depressing season for so many, is the isolation has really worked against one of the key longings that yeah. most of us have. And yet, you know, I, I just feel like we have a lot of work to do to repair that. And I think probably the best analogy for repairing that is the analogy of family. You know, yeah. I have seven kids. If they all just spent all their time in their bedrooms and we never had a meal together, we never actually came together as a family, we wouldn't really be a family, technically mm -hmm. speaking. Yeah. You know, and that's the truth about the body of Christ. If we don't ever spend time together, worshiping mm -hmm. Jesus, hearing the word together, processing truth together, praying for one another and ministering to one another, yeah. then are we really a family? And I think that's mm -hmm. one of the keys to reaching this coming generation is to yeah. actually provide the family that actually many people never even knew growing up. And mm -hmm. so we have to be there to provide that. One final question or theme of questions I want for you is you're speaking to an older leader like me, okay, as a 28-year-old missionary, trainer, mobilizer. Um, how can I participate in raising up the next generation of leaders? Mm-hmm. Well, I think, I think it's 
really just equipping and empowering them, you know, prophesying over them, asking them to prophesy and pray over you, like call out the gold in them, give them opportunities for them to step up into callings. Like I am so thankful for every person on my journey who has given me some kind of platform to actually step out and encourage them even through like fear of man or anything like that. But like, I think it's presenting opportunities for people to get up and get out of their comfort zone, get people onto the mission field, like, but also I think really learn from them, like ask them questions, find out the latest interests and trends. Like, like I said, like TikTok, find out what's going on on TikTok, but then yeah. ask them the struggles of the generation, like find out like from them, like, okay, what is it that you're wrestling with? Um, and like I said, I feel like, especially with this next generation, it's like identity. So it's like actually affirming their identity, affirming their value, affirming their purpose. Um, and yeah, showing them that they have a place to belong in the church and in the body of Christ, where it's a safe place for them to grow and be stepped, like step up into their calling. Um, but I think it really is just like, championing them um mm, and being like great. like this is what you are called to do and not being like oh wait 30 years for this you know to come to flourishment but like actually being like no now like here is an opportunity like come alongside me we're going to pray for this person like come alongside me let's prophesy you know get them getting into the gifts and building up that confidence within it um but i think it really is just actually calling out the gold in anyone that is younger or that you can pour into um, and just affirm who God has created them to be and show them that they have a place and somewhere to belong. So good. Now let's flip the question for a short answer. How would you speak to a 20-something-year-old who says, I, I, I know Jesus, I love him, I want to serve him, I want to become a leader, I don't want to play the game, I don't know if I want to, you know, in other words, there's resistance, there's reticence. Mm -hmm. What would you say to them to activate them and call them up? I would probably share some specific, you know, to the individual, like, this is who the Lord says that you are. Let's, I, I think I'd probably invite them along. I'd be like, let's go together, come along with me and let's go and step into doing, I don't know, let's go pray for this person. Let's go share a word. Let's go do something. Um, but I think I would just be like, the Lord has created you for this purpose, for this reason. This is your identity. This is who he says you are. You can do it. I think it's just inspiring them that they have the ability to do it and be like, give, give the Lord your yes. He will help you. He will walk alongside you. I think personal testimonies are always helpful as well. So being like, I went and did this because the Lord was with me. You can do this because the Lord is with you. Um, and just reminding them of, exactly who they are and their their god-given unique beautiful identity and unique value that they have but also just reminding them of yeah who they are and that they they can do it i think i think it's just as simple as encouragement honestly um i think we don't encourage enough sometimes um and just cheering someone on like i'd be like i'll be your personal cheerleader let's go <laughs> that's so good well, let me cheer you on. You've done a great job sharing with us. I'm so excited <laughs> that you. we're going to be working more together in the future yeah. and that what you're building in the in the missions and world changers uh, arena, a realm is going to actually be a blessing, not just to catch the fire ministries, but to the whole body of Christ. Super mm -hmm. excited about that. And I'm looking forward to ways in which we can actually uh, partner in the future. So why don't yes. you, um, we'll have your um, your information put up again. People can reach you at, uh, do you have an email on the website? How does that work? So the website is catchthefire.com slash missions. Right. Um, and then my personal email is just sana.warren at catchthefire.com. Okay, so Anna.warren at catchthefire.com. Catch mm -hmm. Excellent. And so I'm just uh, excited about the fact that that God's doing something in you that's going to affect the nations. And that to me is so Thank exciting. You. So would you just pray for me, pray for us that are listening right now, but also pray for those who will listen in the archives because we're encouraging our pastors to send this out to young leaders in all their churches and, and to have them get a sense of, of how they can sort of step up as well. So yeah, of course. Pray. Yes. 
Yeah, Holy Spirit, I thank you so much for this time of connecting. And in the name of Jesus, we pray for an awakening to young hearts in Jesus' name. Father, I pray that you would raise up disciples, bold men and women in the body of Christ. We pray for revival and reformation to take place in the next generation. So Father, I pray that you would stir our hearts for the younger generation. You would show us how that we can lead them, how we can empower them, how we can pour into them. But Father, I pray right now for a security of identity to the younger generation in Jesus' name. I pray that you would fill them up with their pres- with your presence, that they would know their purpose, their value, their calling, and their worth. So in the name of Jesus, we pray right now for men and women of God to arise in Jesus' name. We thank you for evangelists and prophets and teachers to arise in the name of Jesus. So Father, I thank you for what you're going to be doing through each person. I pray for a blessing to every leader here with wisdom and strategy to be able to pour into the next emerging generation. And Father, I lift up the next generation. And we say that this is going to be a generation that is going to know you, that is going to know you deeply. It's going to know the truth and it's going to come back to church. Father, we thank you for the body of Christ and we thank you for an awakening of the body of Christ and in churches in Jesus' name. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come and fill up every single person who is watching this right now. I pray that you would fill them up with a deep passion for you, a deep joy for you. Father, we thank you for the gospel message and we pray right now that you would awaken the revelation of the gospel message in each one of our hearts in the mighty name of Jesus. So Father, I thank you for your presence and I pray that you would bless everyone abundantly in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Santa, for being a part of this podcast and also being earlier on our hub gathering for our members. We really appreciate you and we look forward to connecting in the future. So God bless you and God bless all of you that are listening and and watching this on future broadcasts as well. Uh, Check out our subscribe to our youtube channel our our other social media you'll find some great stuff that will actually equip you and empower you and encourage you in your journey to become the leader that god's called you to be so god bless you all